Welcome in, everyone, to the Goodwill Podcasting. Alongside me, as always, my co-host, Dan. How's it going, Connor? I'd be better if my Niners weren't losing two weeks in a row. Yeah, they, they're they going through it right now, and they've looked real bad. It's not just like it's not yeah. just like a regular loss. It's like they're really – see, it looks concerning, especially for Purdy. Well, one, in the Browns game, Purdy didn't look great, but he still did his job and got us in range for the field goal to win the game. Yeah. I'm blaming our kicker on that one. Yeah, and at least that was against, like, a better defense and, like, a tough place to play. It was rainy, but, like, that the last game. Yeah, dude, we didn't get a single hit on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's how, I mean, I feel like to beat Kirk, you got to get you got to get him moving, get the feet moving, and he'll just come apart. But if you let him stand back there, it's, it's a problem. Well, yeah, and now we have our my hometown team with the Bengals this weekend. Yeah, I that's a game I would not bet on. I don't really know how it's going to go. I feel like there's a lot of, like, kind of a wide range of outcomes. Um, yeah. How are you feeling about it? I mean, no Brock Purdy this weekend and no Debo. Sam Darnold starting quarterback. <laughs> there are worse backups, I'll say. Oh, yeah. I no, mean, he's a veteran. He, he can run the offense. Um, is McCaffrey playing? Yeah, McCaffrey is playing. Uh, I'm fairly certain Trent Williams is playing. Okay. So, we'll see. The Niners are still the favorites, but that's pretty wild when you think about it. Our defense needs to get in line. Yeah, that's been uh, they've been kind of slacking. Yeah, yeah, and that's been kind of a build around. So, well, yeah, especially when we're supposed to have the best defense in the league. Yeah, yeah, you you rely on them a lot. Yeah, I don't get how we went from blowing out the Cowboys to you know Cowboys are awful Browns. The Cowboys are awful. Trust me, I don't. I'm not a fan of the Cowboys, but that defense doesn't seem like any joke. <laughs> yeah, but when you got Dak back there giving away the ball, yeah, dude, the Cowboys could be a Super Bowl caliber team year after year if it wasn't for Dak Prescott. Yeah, and I think McCarthy as well. Like, I think it's a combination of yeah. bad coaching and and bad quarterback play. Um, and there's like another team exactly like that. Look at the Falcons. Like, get rid of Arthur Smith and Ritter. Like, that team is, is ready to go. The defense yeah. is nuts. Like, one of the most underrated defenses in the league. You have two great running backs, an elite tight end, two good receivers, a good line. Like, there's no problem with that team except for the QB and coach. Yeah, if they had a coach that, you know, knew how to use Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I gave him the ball more last week, and it paid off. He had a huge catch on that last drive. He had, like, a 40-yard catch. Yeah, um, I, I like that. I think they're a good team, but like Ritter and Smith are, are really bad. Oh, and then how you feeling about the Commanders this weekend? Almost I have no lost feeling. last time. Yeah, I think we've gotten a little better since then. I think they're playing a little worse. Um, I think Jalen's improved. Although did Jalen's knee apparently is injured. Yeah. Um, which they're not really giving much information about the severity, but it's definitely concerning um, and makes you wonder what exactly is going on there. But if we lose this game, there's a problem. So I think that's what I said about the Vikings. So yeah, but the Vikings, I would say are far superior to the commanders. You want to talk about quarterbacks injury that I don't believe is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, even I think it was like last week, they said he could have come back into the game, but they just didn't put him in for like precautionary 
reasons. And you have, literally have P.J. Tucker, like an XFL quarterback out there. Um, it's strange. But he just looks he looks done. I feel like he's getting... And I feel like karma's real. I think, like, he might have gotten away with some stuff, but, like, it comes back around. That's life. Well, yeah. But, dude, he... Someone, some analyst called him the trust fund baby of the NFL, where he just got guaranteed $200 million. It was just like, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the... I think that's one of the worst contracts in the history of sports. Yeah. Um, and I think as more time passes, it'll just get more and more scrutiny and just... Um, it's just kind of laughable, but that's what happened. So, um, yeah. And they're a good team as well. Like another good team with just not good quarterback play, but they have so many weapons. Well, um, and I understand why they wanted Deshaun, even though he's a piece of shit. Like, desperation. Well, yeah, there's that. But I mean, if he truly played like he did on the Texans, the Browns would be a contender. Yeah, exactly. I think they, they they saw a window, and they were the desperation in in terms of we don't have this piece that we're missing. We need to like go get something that can make this work. We have the defense, we have the two or three receivers, tight end, running backs, everything. Like they're ready to go again. But um, I think they felt too much pressure to you know get that last piece, and he's just not the guy. Like they should have looked somewhere else. So yeah, it's a shame. All right, well, let's bounce into our episode. Yep. Wait, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. What I think is the best Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah, I mean, we only ended up getting two movies from Garfield. Um, and I mean, I feel like this, the Marvel, the MCU Spider-Man movies are just... It's up and down. Like, when you really... I mean, when you really break it down, I like Homecoming a lot. Um, okay. I think Michael Keaton was excellent as the vulture. I liked yeah. how how small scale it felt, um, and just kind of like it felt like a real Spider-Man story, like kind of just personal, um, some coming of age stuff, like the school aspect, and then just kind of a very personal, like relatable villain. Like I think Spider-Man has such great villains, and um, I like that. But like Far From Home is is a it's not a good movie. Like it's it's really poor. Um, and I think See, I I really like Far From Home. Really? Why? why? Yeah. I think it partially it's Jake Gyllenhaal bias because he's my favorite actor. Okay. So that definitely comes into play. Plus, just kind of seeing him struggle, you know, to be his own superhero outside of Iron Man. I enjoyed that whole like storyline. Yeah, I like that as well. I just think like Iron Man feels so like heavily involved and just like all his like heck and just I think sometimes for me it feels like something it's not necessarily that it's a, a bad movie but it doesn't quite feel like a Spider-Man story um I can and also I think like growing up um I would always watch like the um Spider-Man like comic like stuff on TV and whatnot and I think and in the comics as well, Mysterio was always like one of my favorite villains. I thought he was the coolest villain. Um, and he's one of my personal favorites. So I feel like I, I felt kind of like gypped just by how they went about him and just that story. Yeah. Like I, I did like the performance, but I feel like the handling of the villain was kind of like a letdown to me. Um, but I guess in a way that was similar to how a lot of people felt about the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. It's like taking such an iconic, like classic villain and 
kind of flipping it on its head in its own way, which yeah. I think is, you give them props for doing it in a way, but it just wasn't my favorite. I kind of like that they came back in Shang-Chi and like poked fun at the Mandarin, though. Yeah, and I mean, in all honesty, it was like, it's kind of a strange, cliched, outdated villain. So like, I understand um, what they did. I actually, I do like Iron Man 3, um, not to get sidetracked, but I like the movie in general. Um, but we this, do it every week. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but yeah, Mysterio is one I wish, wish they hadn't quite done it in that way that just makes him feel kind of like cheapened, I guess. I but far, far From Home is, I like a lot, and a lot of the reasons I like it were the elements from this trilogy that we're talking about today. Um, yeah, I think No Way Home is my favorite of Tom's trilogy, purely for nostalgia reasons. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, you can, a lot of the stories in the MCU, you can kind of, like, pull apart at the seams if you really want to. Like, the, the story is a little, like, you kind of have to squint. Um, yeah. And be like, yeah, but, like, whatever. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's, it's comic book characters in the first place. We were all just there to bring back our child, like, child self. Yeah, inner child. Um, and it was still so much fun, and, like, I thought the emotional stuff hit really well. Um, and I said this, I just did that video um, ranking all the Spider-Man movies, but I said this, I think Defoe's Green Goblin, as soon as he showed up in that movie, he was instantly the best villain the MCU has ever had. And it's oh, not... I completely close. agree. Like, it's not close. So, um, yeah, he, yeah, he helped no. that movie a lot. He, he is in the tier... That uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is in for me. Yeah, I have no problem saying that, and I feel like I'm not. I'm not trying to criticize the Dark Knight. I think the longer we get away from the Dark Knight, the more we can kind of look at it more realistically. And like that was a great performance, but it's not like an acting performance that like no one else has ever come near. Um, and again, not to get sidetracked, but yeah, that the, his Green Goblin is. And I also, I've talked about this too, like the Green Goblin and the Joker are like flip sides of the same coin. Like they're really very, very similar characters. Um, and I feel like everyone's always talked about how they wanted Willem Dafoe to play the Joker. Yeah. Uh, but we, we kind of got to see it. Yeah, I'm kind of on that wavelength though of Willem Dafoe playing Joker. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have seen it, but I feel like what we got with his Goblin... Um, was like just as satisfying, and yeah. I feel like now if we were to see it, we'd be like, I kind of feel like I've already seen you do this. I could understand that. There's one actor I always forget his name. Did you ever watch Prison Break? Mm, very briefly, not not enough to even to really speak on. There's an actor in that. I'll figure out his name later, but I would love to see him play Joker. I think he would crush it. Did you ever watch um, the Gotham show? The what? Oh no, I didn't. I've heard I should. It's it's good, and there's a um, there's a kid in there. Like they have their own version of the Joker, and the kid does a nice job. Um, but that that show in general is is a lot of fun in the way it kind of creates its own world and gives you different takes on the villains. And the guy who plays um, the Penguin is like one of the stars, and he's it's insane and like. The Penguin's story is very, very interesting. Um, 
and I liked seeing that kind of focused on. Um, almost a very like Godfathery kind of feel, like okay. it kind of sets up um, and a lot of like backstabbing, just like mafia dealing. So it's 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 a good show if you ever want something to watch. Is Cameron Monaghan the Joker in that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, I've heard very mixed things about his Joker. Yeah, I mean, it's it's he made it his own. Like, yeah. Um, I think for like for fitting into like I wouldn't pull that performance out and like stick it in a Batman movie, like if that makes sense. I think for the world it was in and like for the feel of his character. Previously, it's it's a good fit, um, and it fits in just with the with the with the vibe of the show pretty well, I think. Okay, so I was a fan, but yeah, I mean, not not everyone is, um, but it's definitely not like Jared Leto level Joker. So, yeah, when you made that TikTok about what's well, a bad movie you enjoy, I I still enjoy 2016 Suicide Squad. I don't know why or how. It's what do you like about it? Like, is there anything anything you could pick out? I don't know. I like the soundtrack a lot, which, you know, is not really just Brandon Eerie. <laughs> but I really don't know what I enjoy so much about it. Like, I enjoy, like, most of the Deadshot scenes. Harley Quinn, obviously, is, like, the shining star of that movie. Yeah, I just feel like... I, I feel like with the music, they almost, like, went overboard on the licensed music. It's just, like, licensed song, licensed song, licensed. Like, yeah. they just, like, hit you over and over again. And it's, like, when you think about it, a lot of the, the song choices are kind of, like, strange. Like, a lot of them don't oh, very really strange. make sense. Um, if you just listen to the album by itself, like, while you're driving, it's very enjoyable. <laughs> yes, I, I, would, I would definitely agree with that. Um yeah, that's a movie I feel like the more I watch it, the less I kind of like it. Um, but I think Will Smith and Margot Robbie are like, and Viola Davis are the best parts of yeah. that. Individual performances, good, but like the writing, the villain, like it's, it's pretty no, I, I know it's a bad movie. Like the two things that went through my head when you made that video that I was thinking about doing was either that or Pixels. I didn't see Pixels. It's it's a bad movie, but like it's just so enjoyable. Like, did you like the new Suicide Squad movie? I did. I thought the. I don't know enough about DC. Like the final villain seemed like kind of strange to me, but it was still enjoyable. Um. Yeah, it's definitely strange. Uh, but that is like a comic accurate villain, and also that's what I've heard. Did you watch um, Peacekeeper? No, I want to. It's it's fun. It's like. A, and it actually has a good bit of like thematic depth. Like it's it's trying to say some like pretty um, serious, like legitimate things. And I, I I like John Cena. I think he's like a pretty talented actor. Um, I think he's the second best actor to come out of WWE behind The Rock. No, behind Bautista. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say in terms of just like sheer star power and like box office potential I, I was assuming the rock but yeah i mean dave bautista almost made knock at the cabin watchable um he's compelling like every time he's on the screen it's like he's kind of commanding and it's not just like his physicality but it's like his whole charisma it's like yeah. very strong um and 
and I'm, I'm excited to see him again in Dune as well in the part two. I, I don't know if I've actually finished Dune part one. Yeah, I mean, is it was it something you just didn't have like that much interest in, or like what was? No, I think it's something I turned on at like midnight one night, hoping my insomnia would just keep me up, and I actually just fell asleep, which is very rare that I can actually fall asleep to a movie. And it's no knock on the movie; it's just how my body functions for sleeping. (laughs) I got you. Yeah, I was um, I was a big fan, but it's definitely long. It's one of those things where some it might feel a little slow, but with in terms of the scope of the story of Dune, I think it's really necessary to have like a lot of that set up to have the payoff. Um, and it's like, I was just talking to someone about this. It's like kind of how in Game of Thrones, you'd have certain episodes where people were like, oh, nothing happened, this and that. It's all talk. But it's like, you need that, all that establishment to have any kind of payoff. If you go for the payoff without any of that, it's like so weak and empty and just like lazy. So you can't rush things like that yeah all right well let's finally dive into um spider-man sam raimi's trilogy did you ever hear about like all the people that actually went out for this role no so the ones i could find confirmed was colin farrell uh jude law i saw a few things about ewan mcgregor but i couldn't find any like true confirmation and then also heath ledger can you see any of them pulling it off? I could see Heath doing it. Plus, I think at that time, he would have looked young enough. Probably younger than Toby did. Yeah, I think 100%. Um, that would have been interesting to see. Of, of the people you named, he's the only one I can really picture. Yeah. Um, being able to... to take it on and there's definitely some other folks that at the time could have but in terms of like that list i don't really see any of them outside of heath well yeah and i love you and mcgregor but i don't think he would have really done anything special with this role yeah um yeah and toby ended up doing like a really really nice job i mean i, I think it was it wasn't like a layup of a role for him like i don't think it was the easiest but um I think he did a really good job. Oh, yeah. And he, like, apparently trained for, like, five months in, like, the gym, like, gymnastics, and then also, like, jujitsu. So, like, it was also physically demanding for him as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to have that that aspect. I mean, at the end of the day, like, he's... Spider-Man's an insanely strong, um, like agile like physically impressive hero even though you might not think of him that way so i think that's it's definitely important um but he pulled it off he had a good look for it yeah i also just love like the beginning of this movie like after he gets his powers you know and he's like doing cage fights just to try and make some money yeah i think that's i feel like that's an aspect of it that sometimes gets like people are like eh, i'm not that into it i love that whole part of it because it's the kind of thing that like if someone were really to get powers and like they needed some money that might be something that they actually would do like oh, I'm um, sure. and it just you know the whole like bone saw character like i think it's really entertaining and like funny and just like that that's a part i really enjoy um but and yeah and it's hilarious that they were casted or they casted randy savage for it <laughs> yeah and then 
you know, all that, the way all that leads into the whole Uncle Ben storyline, I think I like how they tied that together. Um, you know, and emotionally it, it ends up working for me, I think. I made this comment about Bane not too long ago, but I said, I'll say the same thing about Toby Spider-Man. He might be one of the most quotable, like, comic book castings ever. Yeah. Um, and I think when you were casting, when you're going for Spider-Man, like, that's super important. Like, you have to be able to have that delivery. Um, and I think I think that's one area where Andrew Garfield didn't quite nail it. Um Whereas, like, Tom Holland and uh, Toby, I think, are a little better. Um, I feel like Andrew I, didn't quite pull that off. But I, I do like his Spider-Man as well. I think Andrew did well for what he was given. I think the script failed him, and the direction of it failed him. I think that's fair. Um, it's The movies just feel messy. Like, they feel kind of rushed, and just, like, there's too much crammed into them. And I think they should have been more, maybe, like a bit slower and more focused on the performances because you have these insanely talented actors. Um, yeah. They don't quite end up being the focal point of the movies. Um, they also, I mean, movies look, at least the first one looks pretty good. I, I like his suit and whatnot, but um, yeah, I feel like they, they, they were kind of wasted in terms of the acting talent they had. Which is your favorite Spider-Man suit? <sighs> I mean, I, I honestly think I think that Amazing Spider-Man suit might be okay. the best. Um, I don't hate that take. I think my favorite is probably the Symbiote's Toby suit. It's sweet. Yeah, it's iconic. Um, and it's a shame. I mean, that movie was, you know, obviously the weakest of the three. But I think it gets, and we'll, we'll get into it, but I think it gets a little more of a bath rap than is deserved. Um, I don't know how you, how you feel about that, but... No, I, I see both sides. Like, I can understand why people don't like it, but I'm I'm a fan of the movie, so I will defend it in some aspects. Yeah, that's fair. Um, do you have other favorite, like, bits and pieces or moments from the first one? Well, I mean, one of the most iconic is the lunchroom scene. Where they filmed it, what was it, like 156 times? Yeah. Because they didn't want to use CGI so you could catch everything on the tray. Yeah, that's... I mean, little moments like that, like stuff that sticks in your mind, and like you'll, you won't forget that. Like, um, And sometimes it's, you know, that might take them a day to create that, but um, you end up with something that's pretty cool and just memorable and fits really well in the story. Yeah. I mean, and this movie one, like, made it kind of so we have the MCU today. Like, it's like this and, like, the first X-Men really showed the star power that is, like, comic book movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, the impact of that is, like, cascading now for, you know, 21 years. Um, but, yeah, and I... You know, some people might think that's not such a good thing, but I'm, you know, I don't, I don't feel that way. Um, I think it's just more, more so on the studios and whatnot to just make good superhero movies. You, you still can do that. 
Um, I think they just get lazy uh, at times, but it's still overall been worthwhile and given us a lot of great movies. Yeah. No, I mean, Spider-Man 1 is one of the most iconic comic book movies in my head. Um, and it might just be because it was, you know, the first one that stuck out to me. Just yeah. funny because, I don't know, I was, this movie came out in, what, 02? So I was four, maybe five at the time, depending what part of the year it came out. And we were at my babysitter's place, and I remember my mom got, like, pissed because she showed us this in her living room when I was that age, and because of, like, the whole Green Goblin death scene, like, how kind of brutal that is. Yeah. Yeah, and this movie, like, it has some moments that are very, and throughout the trilogy, that are very, like, intense um, and violent, and you see kind of, like, Sam Raimi's mark um, and a lot of his signatures in terms of how he kind of goes about doing that. But, yeah, that last fight is brutal. Um, oh, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's the, the greatness of the Green Goblin as a character is, like, being able to push Spider-Man, like, as far as humanly possible um, and kind of try to break him in the same way, like, that the Joker does to Batman. Like, it's very, you know, it's physical and psychological at the same time, like, seeing how far he can push him, um, you know, through, like, his words and, you know, his interaction with his spider-man's personal life and everything else so he's a he's a great villain well yeah and then i mean green goblin in this has maybe one of the best like you know dialogue out of any comic book movie with a whole scene where spider-man's like knocked out on the roof and he's you know saying like he should just turn because no matter how much he does for the city they'll always turn against him yeah and it's you know it's that little voice that is in everyone's head that's kind of like, you know, don't do the right thing. Why are you doing this? This is a waste of time. Like, that, everyone knows that. Um, and I think we all like to see our heroes get, like, you know, tempted and tested in, like, the biggest ways possible. Because um, everyone kind of deals with that in real life. So I, I like that aspect of it. And then seeing them, you know, when the wrong choice might be easy but they still are choosing to do the right things. Uh, it makes them that much more impressive as a hero. Trust me, I had that battle in my head the other day. Some woman at work, I gave her her check, and she, on the gratuity line, wrote $1,100. And I was like... <laughs> and then I was like, ma'am, did you mean to put this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... That was the right Not thing that it's do. the same stakes, but... <laughs> yeah, but still... Um, yeah, it's a great example. I wanted it. <laughs> Trust me. But... I believe it. I believe it. Um, now, but I mean, like, a scene people don't talk about a lot, too, is, like, you know, the stakes that Green Goblin puts him through, like, the scene where he has the bus full of kids hanging over, you know, the bridge, and then also Mary Jane. Yeah, and that's the, it's the same thing of, like, just putting putting heroes in these, like, compromised moral situations and then just like they just want to like he just wants to watch um and just try to like break him down it's he's very um you know he's still like menacing and just evil just kind of for the sake of being evil but also not in like a stupid fake feeling way like so many villains are um you know 
I'm trying to think of like even even in like Guardians three, like the villain there, you know, he's he's evil. He just wants to be mean, and it's like he was an okay villain, but he's not like it. Still feels kind of like thin and hollow. They're just kind of like mustache twirling, like. See, I actually kind of liked that villain a lot because it I, was like the first time in the MCU in a while that we actually had a villain who was just like pure evil. I like him too, but I think it's still like there isn't much behind it. And like, I think this movie, for example, with the Goblin, like gives you all the scenes with like Norman and the Goblin kind of going back and forth and figuring out like, okay, what's the line between norman talking and the goblin talking like are they just the same is this just kind of like a an excuse he's using to do what he wants like it's 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 the whole like psychological aspect of the villain um and the way that's delved into is cool um and then the result of that is just kind of like this outward expression of like violence and chaos and just all that so i think even though he is just kind of evil and chaotic there is still like other, there are other layers behind it outside of just like, oh, I'm bad because like I'm bad. Yeah, well, and I, that's one of my favorite aspects that they brought back that same like interior in a uh, No Way Home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what made and like it, it's such a little. It's a little thing, but adding that in like makes it so much more interesting. You don't have to. You could cut that out, you know, to save time. But um, I think it's really effective, and it's what makes him so interesting as a character yeah no i completely agree did you oh one person i forgot to say was up for the role of spider-man as well was james franco i i do remember that but um, apparently no one uh tried out for the role of harry so sam raimi called him and asked him if he wanted to do that part do you like his performance as harry osborne parts of it i do parts of it i don't <clears throat> Um, honestly, when we get to Spider-Man 3, I really wish they kind of would have maybe stuck with him as, like, the main villain. But, yeah, that opening scene was actually pretty killer. Yeah, um, I think some of the writing around, I think the writing when it comes to Spider-Man, um, his family, um, the Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe, like, I think their writing is strong. I think the weakest parts of the whole series a lot of times come from uh, Harry and um, Kirsten Dunst. Like, I think their writing isn't that good. And there's a lot of moments that are just kind of, like, feel a little awkward and not that good from a dialogue perspective. Um, I was going to say, Kirsten Dunst is probably the low point of these movies for me. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to, like... I do like her in the role, um, but there's there's some, and, and I think there's highs and lows. Like, there are some good moments. Um, you, you know, even with her and Peter, there's some good moments and there's some not-so-good moments. Uh, sometimes it's believable, sometimes it's not, but sometimes I wish there was a little less of, like, the Harry, MJ, all that stuff in the background, just more focusing on, um, you know, Peter and... and there was plenty else there to keep everyone dialed in. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, honestly, their best chemistry on screen comes in 2 and 3, which Sam Raimi was really worried about since they actually broke up prior to number 2. Yeah, which is like... 
I mean, I can't even imagine having to like work around that. That's very, I mean, that they're professionals, but that's, that's adds a whole nother um, layer to the performance. That's just like interesting yeah. to think about. I mean, yeah, it really comes down to that. I mean, you can say they're professionals all you want, but it really doesn't work for some people. Like, yeah. not that it's comparable, you know, in any way, like, but in Outer Banks, if you ever watch that, the two main characters they dated, and you can, like, tell in the season, or series, where they broke up. Like, the really? is not the same. Jeez. I think, I kind of feel like, I don't know, I guess it's, it would be more on the writing, but, like, in Spider-Man 2 and 3, like, once MJ discovers, like, Peter's identity, I feel like that kind of helps their relationship in general, and I think their, um, like, their chemistry kind of improves, and I, which which makes sense, because there's, like, more of an understanding, because um, until that's revealed, it's kind of like, you know, it's understandable that she would kind of have a lot of questions or a lot of, like, uncertainty around, like, some of his actions and things that happen, you know what I mean? So I guess that, that, that makes more sense. Yeah. Where would you put this in your uh, Sam Raimi trilogy ranking? The first one? Yeah. It's two for me. Okay. Um, I'm, yeah, we're on the same page then. Yeah, and I, I don't enjoy it much less than the second one. Um, you know, I, I like the way that they portray the Daily Bugle. Um, I love J.K. Simmons, and he was made to play Jonah Jameson, like that was, um, I just kind of meant to be. It was, it was a perfect fit. So he's excellent. Um, I love, you know, the Uncle Ben stuff. Yes, we all know how it's going to go and what happens. I, I love the performances and I love the the way that's executed here. I think it hits um, pretty hard. So uh, her Uncle Ben and Aunt May, I think, were both really well cast. And they did, yeah. they did a nice job. But yeah, I wonder why in Tom's trilogy they went from, like, you know, this sweet old lady as Aunt May to, like, Marissa Tomei. Tomei. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there was... I don't know exactly the, the mindset there. I'm sure it was something that was, like, talked about in a boardroom. Um, but, I mean, I'm not mad. I don't think anyone was mad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, very very different dynamic, very different relationship. Um, and Marissa, I mean Marissa Tomei's version, it feels very much more like a mom. Yeah. Um, you know, and just more of like a motherly presence than this is like, you know, more of like a grandparent feel, um, and more kind of like that type of guidance. So it's 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 fun to see, you know, both. Yeah. I also, back to when you asked me my favorite scenes, two that really stick out to me now that I've thought about it more, is one, when Aunt May is praying over the bed, and Goblin busts in her, was that hotel room at that time? Or, hotel, hospital room at that time? I, th I think she was at home. I'm, I'm was it pretty sure. Okay. And then she ends yeah, up Yeah, no, that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. And then two, when Goblin went to the Daily Bugle, and J. Jonah Jameson, like, you know, protected Spider-Man at all costs. Yeah, it's cool to get moments like that to, like, 
peel back a character and be like, see what they're actually about, you know? Yeah. Um, and see kind of like what they're, you know, how they're going to act under like a lot of duress. So I think that, that was cool. Um, do you like the, um, the, the suit design for the goblin? I do. I, yeah, I honestly I like it better than what they originally made, which was like more comic accurate, but I love the all green with yellow eyes. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, I enjoy it. But, you know, we obviously both really like these movies, so. Yeah. I mean, they're childhood classics, but also it's not one of those where it's like a childhood classic that you know is bad. It's like a childhood classic that's still good to this day. Yeah. I mean, I think the... If I had to pick out a weak point, I guess the CGI in moments is like... Like, the one part where um, he's throwing those, like, pumpkin bombs and people, like turn into like skeletons it's like yeah it's like kind of funny i kind of forgot um, about that <laughs> yeah it looks like not so good but also it's like it is that kind of like tongue-in-cheek goofiness of sam raimi um yeah well and that's the thing is like i don't know a lot of sam raimi like i've said before like i'm not a huge horror fan so yeah. i've only seen a handful of his movies yeah but it it, it you feel that in moments like that but you know for 2002, I, I don't feel like it looks like, like it's not like unwatchable from a CGI perspective. It's just like if I had to pick out a, a critique, that would be one of them. Yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Um, speaking of directors, though, did you know this was actually first offered to Christopher Columbus? I feel like I read that a very long time ago, but did he just turned it down, or he turned it down because the day before that call, he got the call for Sorcerer's Stone. Wow. So, I wonder financially what those two avenues looked like for him. Like, I wonder if he ended up making more from the first two Harry Potter movies, or That's you know what I mean? Yeah, I I kind of feel like it would have would have been Spider Man. Because he did all three of these, right? Like, yeah, because he only did the first two Harry Potter, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, so, so I don't. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to know, and like, who knows, like, what the director's cut would have been at all financially. But this is something I'm, I'm I wonder. Like, I wonder if he regrets that or is like I'm fine with this. Oh yeah, especially for uh, you know starting a franchise. It might have been the same, but by the end, you know, I yeah. feel like Spider-Man might have done better. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, let's move on to uh, number two, which might be one of the better comic book movies of all time. Yeah, I think it's generally regarded as such. Um, what about it do you think gives it that impact for people? I think one of Spider-Man's like, best qualities is the fact that like you can connect to him so much. Like, he has a lot of, like, human traits. Whereas if you look at someone like Thor, like, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, really compare yourself to them in any type of way. So I think this one really helps the audience connect when, one, he loses his powers. Or, you know, like, you could imagine yourself on the train when, like, he passes out from trying to stop it and saving everyone. I think that allows it to, like, take another step. Um... 
I mean, Doc Ock was a great villain. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think all that stuff, um, I think in movies like this, we want, like, we want those moments that we remember that stick out, and, like, that's what this trilogy has, good or bad. Um, like, there's stuff that we remember clear as day. Um, and, like, you and I were talking about, you know, making this episode, you know, you go back and look at stuff, but it's not like you have to sit there and, like, meticulously take notes about, like, how you feel, whatever. Like, it's, you know these movies, like, in and out. Um, and they're kind of, like, ingrained in us. And I think, like, those moments um, are just, just at their strongest in this movie that stick in your mind. Like, even, like, the um, sequence where, you know, Doc Ock wakes up and he's going after all the doctors. Like, that's, like, straight horror, like, classic yeah. Sam Raimi stuff, like, right there that sticks in your head, like, you remember. And it makes him feel... Uh, you know, he's a very, he's a menacing villain, and I feel like the the feel around the arms where they are this, like, sentient, like, living, breathing thing that he's almost, like, at war with, um, in a similar way to the Goblin, I guess, in, in, in its own way, where it's, like, that, I think, is less of a war and more of a, you know, team-up. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> you know, you get to see this incredibly brilliant, uh, you know, passionate, talented man struggling with, like, this, A, power, but also, you know, the the darkness and evil side of that as well. So he just makes for a very interesting character, and Alfred Molina was perfect for it. I was going to say, um, Sam Raimi went two for two on castings for villains. Yeah, which is how, I mean, at the end of the day, that's how you make generally standout comic movies is you nail the villain it's like that's what people want to see that like we all know the heroes we all have like you know at the and marvel stood out at the beginning of the mcu by bringing in heroes that weren't necessarily uh the most mainstream with the avengers like they took a chance there um but obviously it paid off but anyway like we need a villain to like sell the movie um and give us something that we really like want to watch, I think. Um, and we've seen that in a lot of the weak points of the MCU. There's nothing, just no memorable villain. There's, there's nothing to think, like, think back on and be like, wow, that was a great performance. It's just like filler or CGI armies, just bad, like, just boring stuff. Uh, I think my favorite MCU villain is Zemo. Yeah, he was brilliant. I mean, Daniel Bruhl, like, knew exactly what that character needed and it's it feels like you know that was in a kind of time of larry like i think grounded real feeling villains were the move um and it answers the question of how do you pose a threat to people that are this or you know entities whatever characters that are this powerful like how is like how can a normal person stand up to them and in this case it's the villain standing up to heroes but like the way he kind of set that all up was cool and it was memorable um and it gave us one of the better mcu movies so uh and i'm you know i'm i'm curious to see how they use him moving forward um i guess he'll be in the part of the thunderbolts um oh yeah i kind of forgot that show is even coming out yeah so it'll be interesting to see him as kind of an anti-hero i think 
it's kind of difficult to like he's done some really bad stuff and he was basically just a terrorist so <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of weird because like in in the um you know in the shows like he's this kind of goofy quirky funny anti-hero now and it's like this guy was awful <laughs> like this guy was yeah. genuinely like just a terrorist so i mean whatever that's another conversation but um yeah, so great villain and some really good moments. The, the stuff between MJ and Peter is is stronger in this movie. Um, I would one hundred percent agree. The chemistry is better, so that's an instant advantage. And this I, movie I, might actually be my least favorite, like James Franco scenes, like yeah. the scene where he like walks out after you know Doc Ock becomes Doc Ock, and he's like, "My only worry is Spider Man," and puts on glasses. Like it kind of takes me away a little. Yeah, and I mean to be blunt, James Franco is not a great actor. No, he's not. So, but like, to be fair, his thing is stoner comedies. So, like, yeah, this, this is out of his realm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um, there are occasional instances where typecast people should just probably stay typecast. Um, I think the strangest typecast that's happening now is Donnie Yen playing a blind man. Yeah. <laughs> Rogue One and John Wick. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. And he was he was so good in both of those. Um, I love both of those characters. Oh, yeah, he's one of the best in Rogue One. But it's also like once you do something and do it well, people are probably like, huh, like I kind of want that character. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this in another episode. Like the, the quality that John Wick has maintained ridiculous have you guys ever wanted to create your own podcast you know you and your friends get together you have some good ideas well the easiest way to do it is anchor through spotify you can record there you can upload upload to all your platforms just to upload the links and you can earn money right away if you haven't checked it out already check out anchor for spotify like especially when they know they could phone that shit they could phone it in and just oh, yeah. pump something out and they could have 10 of them and people would still go see them and it would be fine but like they're still so meticulous and just brilliant it's they're so fun but um yeah that's a good call on typecasting and then one other thing just i want to talk about one other thing with this movie um i love when peter and aunt may have the conversation about uncle ben and it's not just oh it's okay honey it's like what the hell like it's like a real reaction of like emotion and like uh, she's upset at him which is just so real and that that scene yeah. feels like so much more effective in with that thing happening rather than just being like you know it's all right don't beat yourself up blah 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 like she's she gets a real reaction like you let my husband die yeah. like it's I just, I, I love that. I think that's one of my favorite scenes in this movie, honestly. That's a great pick, honestly, for favorite scene. Yeah. I think one of my favorite, is it number one or this one, actually, now that I'm second-guessing myself? What part? I think it's where he runs into the burning building to rescue a kid. That's the first one. I the, yeah, that's the, because the, go the goblin is there. Well, no, doesn't he do it in this one when he loses his powers? I I can't remember because all I'm thinking of is the scene with like the goblins pretending. Yeah. Where he's dressed. I think no, because he doesn't rescue anyone in that scene. Yeah, really. I think he goes in hearing the woman. Yeah, and then yeah, it's just yeah. goblin. 
I think it's this one that I'm thinking of. Where when he, when he loses his powers. Yeah. yeah. And then he, like, comes out, like, coughing. He's in the back of the ambulance now, like, getting yes. on. Yeah, like, that is great. I like that scene because, again, it allows kind of the audience to connect, maybe more male audience than anything, because I think every man in America has ever thought about, you know, being the hero <laughs> and saving, you know, the day at one point in time. Yeah, but with, you know, without having, like, something, like, special about you or, like, powers yeah. or whatever. Just, like, again, doing the right thing, making the right choices, like, just day-to-day for everybody else that doesn't, you know, have a super active, super radioactive spider bite. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie has a lot of good moments. Um, obviously, the whole train sequence was excellent. Uh and, you know, Doc Ock getting to redeem himself, I enjoy. Um, I think it makes it more interesting in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and I think the entire emotional aspect at the end where, like, Peter's, you know, carrying the weight of the entire building on his back, just trying to, like, plea with him, is maybe one of the most memorable scenes from this movie for me. Or, like, one of the most, like, you know, maybe one of the best scenes from this movie. Yeah, and I think that's that's such a classic Spider-Man like moment, um, and we got that in like in Homecoming uh, when Peter's like crushed under that building. Like that is such a strong moment. Like you really feel that emotionally, and like you feel his like panic, um, but also the need to like use his strength. And Spider-Man is so often like holding back and like not using all of his power and strength and everything like he always pulls his punches and this and that like um so it's always cool to get to see him like use his full capacity um and use all of his strength to do anything um and also to to fight which is another thing the green the goblin brings out of him and like that's another great thing about uh no way home is at the end when he's just like beating the life out of the goblin uh, and like just not pulling his punches, like that was so cool to see. It's just it's it's fun to see Spider Man like lose himself occasionally, even though he did rein it back in. Yeah, I also think talking about No Way Home, two scenes that stuck out to me the most was the first fight scene with the Goblin in the hallway, where he isn't really pulling punches and Goblin's just laughing in his face. Yeah, like yeah, that was Oscar worthy from Willem Dafoe. And then two when he meets the rest of the Spider-Man, and Andrew Garfield has the emotional scene where he's like, I stopped pulling my punches. Which I think actually went over a lot of people's heads if you aren't, like, a comic book fan or, like, know kind of how strong Spider-Man is. Like, he literally just admitted to killing people. Yeah. Yeah, like, with ease. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, that movie could have been... Like, it could have been so bad. Like, it could have been such... Just... Again, they could have really phoned that in. And, like, I think Andrew Garfield and Toby could have just been like, I'm going to get his paycheck, whatever, just, like, half-ass it. But they really both are acting well. Um, and, again, it's not perfect, but they make it so much better than it could have been. So Yeah. But, well, and I, been... truly, I thought they were killing Toby Spider-Man in it at the end there. Yeah, so did I. And I think it kind of would have worked. Like... Well, there's a rumor floating that Toby's actually going to be the leader of the Avengers in Secret Wars. I mean, sign me up. 
Yeah, I'm here for that. You know they're going to go back to the like nostalgia well now that it's been established that people liked it. So, well, and especially like kind of the downward spiral the MCU has been in, they might try and pull the nostalgia wheel like they did for No Way Home to kind of bring it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, man. I the next the the Marvels movie like the projections, the box office projections are like crazy crazy low like i i just i'm just I'm concerned. surprised yeah and like even like even thinking about like deadpool the new the deadpool movie um i'm concerned about that like i just feel like they're gonna panic and just it's not gonna be good like i don't i, I don't have that much confidence in anything like honestly Deadpool 3, I think, could still have potential. I just don't think it's going to be true R like the last two were. I think it's going to be Disney R. Yeah, which just feels fake and, like, just contrived and non-genuine. It's just... I'm, I have concerns. But I saw I saw this, like, tweet, and it was like... You saw the video of them on the couch, and he asked Hugh Jackman, he's like, Hey, man, you want to be in Deadpool 3? Uh, I saw something, it was like... What if they weren't greenlighting this project and Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman just got together to put out this video to get the fans so hyped that the studio was forced to do it? Yeah. That was a hilarious thought. I could see it happening. Yeah, and I mean, I'm excited to see Hugh Jackman, but we'll see. I'm not going to get myself... I'm not going to get any crazy high expectations for any yeah. I think I might do with that what I did with Across the Spider-Verse, and I avoided every single trailer for it. Which yeah. is one of the best things you can do for a movie anymore, if it's one you're excited for. Like, I didn't see any trailers for that, Oppenheimer, or Killers of the Flower Moon. Man, I've, I've seen multiple people say that about Killers of the Flower Moon. That, whatever their marketing budget was, oh, those trailers were everywhere. Like, I feel like, I, I don't know how you... Props, but like I don't know how that's possible. The the marketing budget had to be insane. That that was literally everywhere I looked. Well, it also helps that it's Scorsese, Leo, De Niro, like Brendan yeah. Fraser. Like it's gonna be pushed out more than your average, you know, movie anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, you want to get into Spider Man Three? Yeah. So, like I said, I think. This has one of the best openings for any of the movies with this fight with Harry. Yeah. Like, that fight scene alone is one of the best in the trilogy, I think. Yeah. What do you what do you like about it? The intensity of it, you know, the best friend kind of turning on him. And then also like I enjoy like kind of the joke that's in the middle there <clears throat> where he like throws out the like knives. And he makes the comedy, he's like, man, I hate these things. Like, yeah. I felt that didn't feel forced to me. It felt like it landed naturally. Yeah, I think there's, like, there's good moments in this movie. Um, and I guess some of the best stuff for Harry, his character is in this. And I guess the best work from James Franco Um it just feels like they were trying to cram so much into this movie um, in a similar way to, like, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I understand, like, Spider-Man 
his world gives you so much to do, so many characters, so many great storylines, and like they wanted to get a lot of it in, but I, it was just too much in this movie, and if it had just kind of focused in um, on something, I think it would have been good. I, I like the Flint Marco storyline. I, I like. Um, I think Sandman. What is that? I go back and forth on it. Like I like the performance. Um, yeah. No, I can agree with that. The whole, I mean, Eddie Brock. I don't like the portrayal very much. Perfect um, Grace was not the right casting for it. Yeah, and it's just like such a waste of Venom. Uh, well, so I read that Sam Raimi didn't want Venom. He wanted it to be Harry and the Sandman. And Sony kind of forced him to put Venom in there. Was there, I believe, there was originally going to be a fourth movie, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just feels like a lot of this stuff could have been just pushed back. Or like, I, I don't know. There's, a, there's, there's just multiple movies just kind of like crammed together. Um, which I think is why it's, you know, thought about so low. It's just like, it's too much. Yeah, and even like you have Gwen Stacy crammed in here, like just I feel like they were just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what's stuck, but like then you don't get the proper execution of anything that you are putting out there. Um, and then that's I think the main issue, and then it gets brought down by some like really stupid moments and just dumb stuff. And then people end up thinking it's a bad movie. When in reality, it's like has some good elements and they're so good performances and whatnot mixed in, but it's like such a mixed bag. And it makes it kind of hard to grade, I think. Well, one one takeaway I have from this, though, is I really don't like that they changed the entire Uncle Ben storyline to that, you know, Sandman killed him, not the other guy from the first one. I wish they kind of would have left that storyline alone. There's just no need to touch it. Like, yeah. it just felt disingenuous. And I don't know. I, I could have been... It kind of takes away that scene you were saying you love so much in Spider-Man 2, where Aunt May is like, you know, you killed my hu husband, pretty much. Like, it almost takes away some of the, like, you know, herringness of that scene, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, why? That's that's not going to feel as impactful when it's just like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't real. Or that wasn't, you know, the truth. So, I couldn't agree more. Um just felt like too much, too much tinkering. Where yeah, it wasn't. This movie might have benefited from being like thirty minutes longer, or if maybe it just cut out like the whole MJ Harry kind of love on the side scene. Yeah, like you can either the options are cut it down and make another movie, or extend it and like try to pull it together and try to develop put a little more development in everything else and you know maybe you can do that in an extra half hour um but yeah it's it, it just ended up in this weird middle ground yeah uh one thing that i always found fun so funny about this movie though is just like how topher grace's venom is just like that boy like he didn't try and kill Spider-Man himself. He went and prayed to God that God would just strike down Spider-Man. <laughs> That's some serious stuff. I think it's hilarious every time I watch that movie that he was just like, yeah, I need a higher entity to help me here. <laughs>
<laughs> it's one of those moments where you're just like, huh? Like, who wrote this? Like, just, you know, in the same vein of, like, um, you know, all the emo Peter stuff. It's just like, who who put this in this movie? Like, why is this here? Who yeah. Idea? And, like, Toby's having fun, but it's just not it. I don't, I don't The know. whole, you know, Bully Maguire scenes are just so funny. And that goes back to me saying he's one of the most quotable comic book characters. Yeah. Yeah, but even like I said earlier, like, even though that stuff is stupid, like, it sticks in our minds and we'll remember it. Oh, um, yeah. I can't tell you how excited I got when I was in the theater for Into the Spider-Verse and in the beginning, like, kind of comic book flashes, they show a, like, cartoon dancing like Toby did when he came out from buying the suit. Yeah, and like, I feel like the, uh, this movie also kind of, I think, gets punished by expectations. Like, I think after Spider-Man 2, everyone was so hyped. Um, and like this, it, it made um, like $150 million opening weekend, which was a record at the time. Like, that's nuts. Um, and I think clearly that shows how high the expectations were. So like, when we got what we got, I think it was kind of a letdown. But, like, looking back, it's still, like, enjoyable. Well, yeah, and I remember, like, it's one of those strange things. Like, you connect a memory from your childhood with something. Like, this was the first and I think only time I've ever sat front row at a movie theater. And this was before they had nice recliners. So, it was still, like, stadium seats. So, you're breaking your neck to watch it. And then also, first time I had Reese's Pieces. Wow, that's a very, very specific memory. Yeah. I don't know why I remember those, but I think it was just because I was so hyped for this movie. Like, for my childhood, this movie and Revenge of the Sith were probably on the same echelon. Yeah. I think... What do you think is the better movie? Revenge of the Sith? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, that, that's not my Star Wars fan in me coming out. I just think it's genuinely a better movie. No, that's that's fair. Um and for, for its weak points, it still has a lot of much stronger stuff than any of the peaks of... And actually, that's a movie that has three villains in it, and it was executed well. Yes. I would agree. It's so, a good time. Yeah. Just like that TikTok. <laughs> yeah, you got it. It always comes back to, always comes back to Star Wars. Hey, don't, I mean, I'm a big Star Wars guy, too. Like, not, not maybe not like you, but I'm definitely a huge Star Wars fan as well. So, I got my lightsaber sitting right there. Hey, I, I believe you. <laughs> uh, I'm always happy to, to talk Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, we'll, for, uh, we'll for sure do that for May the 4th next year. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get some good stuff going. I keep telling my wife we should see if the doctors will just induce her on May the 4th. Hey, whatever you guys got to do, that would be something. I feel you definitely got to go with like a Star Wars name, though, for the kid. Dude, I was this close to convincing her to have at least the middle names be Anakin and Ahsoka. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that. She was on board for a little bit, till it became real. <laughs> yeah, that's now, like... Now we're doing legacy names. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, it's a that's a much safer option for pleasing families, probably. <laughs> I mean, maybe like a much safer option for not having our kids get bullied, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. I thought as well. Like, if we have a daughter, we should name her May, but like it'll just be short for mayonnaise. Because I'm setting her up for success. Because the easiest way to get out of a ticket is to make a cop laugh, and if he reads a license that says mayonnaise, he's gonna laugh. That's very, that's incredibly valid. That's like just a free free pass for all all tickets moving forward. Yeah. Anyway, back to this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's all right. It's just yeah, the first two, like I said, are just so like so strong. Um, it's just it's okay in the grand scheme of Spider-Man for me. It's like around the middle. Um, and if you pull in every Spider-Man project we've ever gotten, uh, I don't think it's in the bottom third, but uh, it's kind of right in the middle for me. Yeah, I think I have it around the same. I just had my list pulled up. So it this one falls into my eight spot out of thirteen movies. Yes, that's I I, I wanna say I had it between seven I, I wanna say I had it seven or eight, so I think that's right where it belongs. I think I should rewatch Venom, but currently I have it just above Venom and just below Homecoming. Just below Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. Homecoming. I like Homecoming a good a good bit better than this. I I can't remember where I have it in my in my ranking, but Venom like Venom is so tough because it's it, it is genuinely it's bad. It's not a good movie. But I yeah, do you think that Venom's a bad movie. It's not a good. It's not good. Like the story, but it is. It's also so much fun, and like I feel like Tom Hardy is so bought in. Um. That is just like an enjoyable ride, but in terms of like an actual story, like it's it's not very strong. Um, I genuinely need to rewatch it because the first time I ever saw it, I thought it was horrible. I also thought it was under an hour long because I, me and my buddy, drank a gallon of jungle juice before seeing this movie in theaters. So like, I don't. You gotta rewatch it. Yeah, I don't remember anything from it from that night. So I thought it was a horrible movie, and I rewatched it like a year later. And I was like, oh, wow, this movie's actually, like, a decent movie. So I yeah. think I need to find the middle ground where I don't watch it drunk and I don't watch it after seeing it drunk where I think it was horrible before. <laughs> yeah, you need just a nice, even experience. Yeah. It's definitely, like, it's, it's funny um, and it's fun. Like, I, I enjoy watching it. I think also, I maybe I'm a little tainted because I think that that second movie is one of my least favorite movies I've ever seen in my life. I hate, I hated that movie. Like, with wow. a passion. I, I mean, I didn't like it, but I'm not that strongly opinioned on it. <laughs> I literally, like, it, it feels like it was written in crayon, like, on a napkin. Like, it's so bad. And, like, ah, man, I hate it. Yeah. I, Such a it, waste of time. I hated how much they wasted Woody Harrelson, too. Like, yeah, it's like you have a really, like, talented actor. And, again, like, it's not the first time that's happened to him. Like, he definitely gets misused. With relative yeah. frequency, but like he still is a talented dude, and like there was nothing going on. Like that was the most paper thin, stupid, cliched, like dumb villain of all time. Man, I yeah. I really despise him. Venom, let there be carnage, is my second lowest rated on my Spider-Man rankings, with Morbius being the lowest. I yeah I I have I agree I have the two of them flipped, but okay. yeah, yeah, both yeah. trash. Carnage. Definitely fair. And Morbius, I feel like, was more just like, like it's stupid, and I, I I cannot stand Jared Leto, but it's more just like forgettable. 
You can't yes. stand Jared Leto. No. Have we talked about? Are you are you being funny or are you being serious? No, I'm being serious. I cannot stand that man. Like of of all the actors, he is like bottom bottom of the barrel for me. I think he's just the most like pretentious, self absorbed. Like thinks he's doing something when he's doing nothing. Just waste of space, honestly. Except for Dallas he used to be in some fantastic roles. Can you name five? Five? I mean, Can you so name three? Fight Club. Me. I mean, <laughs> come on now. Re- Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, see, that's. I guess that's one that that's at the top of everyone's list. I don't really like that movie very much. It's a good performance, and I think Dallas Buyers Club is a great performance. Um, he's in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but like that's not featuring. It's not like featuring him. Like he's just there. Being I put him up on Letterbox, and now that I'm thinking more about it, like all the roles, like he's not the main focus. Like because the three that came to my head immediately was Fight Club, Requiem for a Dream, and American Psycho. Yeah, and, but it's just like he's a he's a side character, like. In and he's sort of there yeah. being weird or being Jared Leto. Like, he's not he's not a star. Like, but he thinks... And, like, when he played a Joker, like, he went into this whole, like, method thing that was just, like, a complete waste of time to give one of, like, the worst comic book performances. And just, like, he was just... It was just such a waste. I'm just... He thinks he's doing so much. I will say on his Joker, though, it really feels... Like, go back and rewatch Suicide Squad. It feels like it's the editing team that did fail him a little bit because, like, it seems like every time he's on screen talking, he's like already halfway through his conversation. Yeah, I mean, he was. It, it was. He felt kind of shoehorned into the movie. Like it was very. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it felt like the only reason they casted a Joker was because they wanted Harley Quinn so bad. Yeah, and it just makes it that much more marketable. Like, yeah, having that character. Um, but yeah, it just, I can't stand him. I, yeah, I'm not really defending him all that hard. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's a, you know what they do with the Jokers, though, for all of them? What? We've had this conversation, but like every Joker that's ever been cast, they make him look like he's abusing the like most abused drug at that time. So like Jack Nicholson was cocaine. Um, you know... Heath Ledger was sleeping pills. Jared Leto, heroin. That's what I mean. That makes sense. Yeah, so the look of Jared Leto was, like, on par. But (laughs) that's about it. Yeah, it was just... It was a strange performance, to say the least. Yeah, no, it's... A bottom performance in all movies, ever. (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah, Morbius is just, like... It's just... Not, this is like a nothing movie. It's just like you watch it and it's just in, like literally in and out of your head instantly. I was going like, to say, if you ask me to tell you much about Morbius right now, I don't know what I can tell you. Yeah. Like I maybe remember the scene where he like is flying through like the subway station. Yeah. It's just, and it also feels like it's something that should have come out like 10 or 15 years ago and it would have been like, okay. But like now it's yeah. just like, what are we doing with this? But yeah. Well, that's how I felt about Black Widow is if it came out five, six years ago, it would have been perfect. My problem, and I, I'm, I mean to make a video on this, if you look into how they talked about that movie at Marvel, like, it's documented. Like, 
it's so weird. Like they, they had no respect for that character or they didn't want to make the movie and they didn't think she deserved the movie. So like then when you put it out this, this, this late, it was just such a bizarre thing to me. Like they clearly had no respect for that character and didn't want to put it out. And then they're like, after the fact, like, Oh, here you go. It was just like very strange in terms of how it was handled. Like that should have come out so long ago and it would have fit well into the narrative back in the day like i just that was a whole strange very strange it's like situation to me yeah like if that was the follow-up movie to civil war we might all hold it in a higher regard yeah and i think if it was made back then it would have been a better movie as well but literally the most accurate part of that entire movie though is that or i'm sorry most inaccurate part is that nobody wants to stay in ohio just a fun fact that's that's a great point um, literally we have the most astronauts out of any state in America people want to leave here so bad they're leaving the planet <laughs> that's fair and I, I, it's funny you say that because I feel like I mean statistically Philadelphia is the number one city in the country that no one leaves like people that are born yep. here yes there's the least um, I forget the term but thanks Rocky people, yeah it's just like it's a great place to be so I think that's one of my favorite small details in a movie is, like, when Rocky, in, in one, when he's training, like, since the film was so, like, on a small budget, that, nope, like, they just thought that Sylvester Stallone was out on a run and no one really knew who he was, and that was actually just genuinely someone in Philly throwing him an apple. Yeah, I mean, like, the authenticity of those movies and, like, just how, how real he feels, like, it, it was... It was so perfect and just, like, genuine and heartfelt and, like... I'd say one through four are that way. Yeah, to be blunt, I don't even love... Like, I don't really like Rocky 3, and I don't love 2. I I think 1 and 4 are, like, elite, elite movies. Um, And I like Rocky, though. 3 has my favorite training scene. Okay. Where, like, he's first training with Apollo Creed, you know, there is no tomorrow, the classic line, like... That's my favorite training scene. But other than that, I could agree with you. I think I go like one, one, four, two, three, five is awful. I like Rocky Balboa. Like I like the newer one. The yeah, actually, um, that's the only one I haven't seen. Okay, it's it's worth watching. It's it's much better than I that. believe. I think it was just I went on a huge Rocky kick. And I'd seen I think one through four, like a couple times, like throughout my life. But I wanted to watch them like all the way through, and I think five. I was just like, I need a break. <laughs> it's no nah, five is is terrible. Yeah, um, I never went back. Yeah. Also, rest in peace, uh, Bert yeah. Youngdar. A shame. I was unaware um, that he was actually a boxer. I didn't know that either. But he, yeah. like, he added like he was such a real character. Like all those characters feel so like human and just like that's. He feels like a real person. Like he was well, especially he was Adrian. I feel like she really grounds the film. Like, yeah. people don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's like his rock. And, like, it's a great... No pun, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great, like, all-time romance. Yeah. Like, honestly. Genuinely. So, uh... What, how do you rank the Creed franchise? Man... I really liked the last one. Like, I, I think the third one was like a good movie. Um, I, I don't think it really got talked about in that way, but 
and honestly, obviously, uh, you know, Jonathan Majors, I don't know with him, and it's not looking too good for him right now. So I think that took some steam out of it, but I think it was still a good story. Um, I think I would go one, three, two. Okay. Yeah, see, I feel like everyone that I talk to, or, like, everyone I've heard on TikTok, like, they all have three as the best one. I've, I don't think it's better than the first one. I don't think it is either. I go one, three, two, but, like, tomorrow I could also go one, two, three. But all yeah. of them are very highly rated for me. Yeah, and they're, like, they're, they're, they're all solid movies, and, like, the actual, like, the boxing sequences are, like, that's not easy to do. I don't think people understand like, from a filmmaking perspective, like, balancing realism with not getting people killed or maimed, like, <laughs> is difficult. So, yeah, um, especially with actors. So, yeah, that's, they're, they're really good, and I'm, I'm excited to see more. Uh, but what, what I really hate is the people, though, that are like, oh, Michael B. Jordan could probably beat Tyson Fury in a boxing match. Like, yeah, I mean, that's just he, ridiculous. He would get killed. Yeah. Yeah, the, it, yeah, it's a different, it's, it's a different world, um, and you know, I'm sure Michael B. Jordan maybe could box some like smaller guys or like box in an amateur fashion, but like that's a different world and like different level of strength. And also, just the size. I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, Jake Paul could probably beat Michael B. Jordan. I don't know. I kind of want to see that right now. What? Watch Jake Paul. Like, he actually does have some fighting chops. And, like, also, he's training year-round for it, whereas Michael B. Jordan trains once every two years when the new Creed movie's coming out. Like, don't get me wrong. He's still in crazy good shape. He's probably in the 1% of the world. But... Yeah, no, you're, you're probably right. I would still be entertained by that, though. I think everyone would be entertained. I'd love to see the over-under. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big... Rocky fan, um, and still a fan in general, um, and Creed fan as well. Oh yeah, my dad like his his two movie personalities is like The Godfather and Rocky. <laughs> like those okay. are his favorite movies of all time. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of merit there. This is a yeah, great choice. I think he says the same thing that like I think he says one is is his favorite and three is his favorite training scene. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's valid. Um, I, I, like, four, a lot of people think it's bad, and, like, it is so campy, but there's just something really fun about that to me, and, like, Dolph Lundgren is this, like, ridiculous machine of a villain. Like, it's just, yeah, something about that movie I really like. All right, well, before we wrap it up, do you have a movie recommendation for today? Um, you go first. Alright, well, I have one that's kind of basic, but it ties in to this episode. So, this episode will be releasing on Monday the 30th. And on Tuesday the 31st, Across the Spider-Verse will officially be on Netflix. So, if you have not seen it and want the chance to see it, definitely go. I mean, I made the statement earlier this episode that Toby's is the best Spider-Man trilogy. But, if this third one hits, I think we will regard it as one of the best trilogies of all time. In yeah. any movie. Yeah, I agree. And I just, like, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's any kind of chance that it's not going to be good. 
Yeah. Well, like, people have asked me, because, like, Into the Spider-Verse is one of my favorite movies of all time. My favorite movie scene of all time is the Leap of Faith scene. Like, it'll be hard to beat that. Um, but people have asked me, since they know how much I love it, they're like, are you upset that it got delayed? And I was like, no, because Across the Spider-Verse got delayed, and it hit almost as good as the first one, and there's people that say it's better than the first one. Yeah, so. at the end of the day, like... I'd prefer something is there. There normally isn't going to be a downside to a delay. It's just going to result in more work and time being put into the film. So it's not going to get a worse product unless there's some kind of crazy rewrites or something that like messes up the movie in that case. But like generally, whatever. Like if they, if it guarantees higher quality, like it's fine. Yeah. Well, and then I'm assuming you saw Across the Spider Verse. Yeah. 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 Do you remember the entire Lego scene? Yeah. Do you know who did that scene? No. So I gen I forget his name, but it's this 14-year-old kid who, like, him and his dad's hobby was they would take the time out and just turn, like, movie trailers into, like, Lego trailers just as, like, a fun side hobby. And the director of this movie found him and asked if he wanted to direct part of this movie. Or, like, not direct, but, like, animate. So, like, that entire Lego scene was done by, I think, a 16-year-old or 15-year-old. you imagine? That's ridiculous. Like, one of the biggest movies of the year. Like, yeah, that's... Right I now, I don't see another movie touching it for best animated movie at the Oscars. Yeah, no. I mean, that's, that's a guarantee. Yeah. If you could bet on the Oscars, I'm putting all my money on that. You definitely can. Just gotta find the right book, but it's definitely out there. <laughs> Maybe that's how we get the, you know, in the movie talk world as we just start making a movie betting <laughs> man like probably some value there make the over-unders for like what a movie will do in box office yeah that's actually kind of a fun idea but let me tell you i probably wouldn't have taken the over for how quickly barbie hit a billion yeah man i was like bob barbie obviously but like the fact that i think oppenheimer came very close like, that's, in, that's literally nuts. I think it was at, like, 900 and... So I think it was over 950 million, which, like, for a three-hour-long rated R biopic, like, is, is so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's going to take place this year, but Oppenheimer might not win Best Picture, which is what I have as my winner right now. Because the Oscars made some rule that you have to have, like, a minority as, like, at least the um, co-lead in order to win at the Oscars anymore. Hey, when, was that, when was that made? I think they made that rule in, like, June, if I remember correctly. Okay. So, I don't know if it's going to take place this year, which, frankly, I don't like. It, it's for uh, Best Picture only, too. Okay. But, like, I mean, that means we're never going to get, like, directors like Scorsese, Nolan, like, doing, like, period pieces again. Like, if they want to win. Yeah, that seems like a, like, oversimplified solution. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I feel like it's kind of, like, knee-jerk. Um, obviously, like, I think everyone wants to see movies with, like, all different casts telling all different stories. Like, that's great. But I think that's kind of, like, a very simplistic thing. And um. Yeah, I don't know. That's I. I didn't even know about that, honestly. 
Well, yeah, and then, like, I don't know. I think, it, yeah, I agree. It's ridiculous. Right now, too, like, kind of changing topics is, I think, best actress this year should be going to Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, I think it will. Because a lot of people were saying Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, but I think Lily Gladstone no. will take it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Emily Blunt got enough to do in that movie. Um, I, I think she was good, but like, there's, it's, it's not, it's, there isn't that much screen time even. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, don't get wrong, when she's on screen, she absolutely does amazing, but. Yeah, yeah I think Emily Blunt is incredible. Um, but, yeah, I, not enough going on there. Uh, I think Nolan, like, there isn't normally a, a ton for women to do when Nolan makes a movie. Um, but, I wasn't surprised. But, like, yeah, I think if, if Lily Gladstone doesn't win, I'd be I'd be shocked. Um, I actually, I'm, I haven't seen it yet. I think I'm seeing it tomorrow. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, very good. Uh, my takeaway from it, and we'll dive more into it, is I'm disappointed in Brendan Fraser's role. I've heard I've heard that multiple times. I've heard that it was like kind of a strange performance, and like the dude didn't really nail it. Um, yeah, it kind of took me out of the movie for a little bit when he was on screen. Now he only has like twelve minutes of screen time, maybe. But yeah, yeah we'll dive more into that obviously in our next episode. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, two weeks out. Yeah. All right. What's your movie recommendation for the week? Um, I hadn't thought about this. I'm going to say uh, go watch Bronson. Bronson? Bronson. Yeah, it's Nicholas Windig Refn, um, Tom Hardy. Basically about the uh, most infamous criminal in England's history, and really in the history of the world. He's basically been moved around all over the country. Um He's never actually killed anyone, but he's just, he's kind of fought everyone everywhere in every prison. He's been institutionalized, um, just kind of a crazy guy. And it's just this very strange 90 minute uh, kind of visual spectacle that just kind of focuses in on him and lets Tom Hardy just like be as weird as humanly possible. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun time. Uh, it's not the deepest, but it's, it's a cool watch. Okay. Now that movie's actually been on my watch list for a long time. Yeah, watch it. It's really strange. Like, it's very. Strange. Well, I love Tom Hardy, so yeah. And it's, I mean, he's a very he's a very interesting guy. Um, I think originally it was like he uh, it was like he 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 did a robbery, and I think he got like seven, a seven year sentence for it. Uh, and he's been in prison basically for like forty to fifty years since then. So he's a wild, wild character. Um. Kind of switching topics back to our last episode's topic. The Harry Potter, like, kind of show that they're going to come out with on HBO. Did you see that they're eyeballing Killian Murphy for Voldemort? I did not see that. But that's intriguing. That is intriguing. (laughs) That would make make them a lot of money. Get them a lot of people watching. It's kind of what Killian Murphy was saying he wanted to do because he kind of wanted to get out of like period, like drama period pieces, so he could stop smoking fake cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love to see him get to do some different stuff and like 
really flex a little bit and just do whatever the hell he wants for a while while he's in his prime. Like that would, I think he's earned it. Like, yeah. What I would love to see is him actually be in the sequel to Barbie. As what? Well, did you see after like the whole Barbenheimer hype in an interview, he was like, yeah, I'd love to be in Barbie too. If Greta calls me. That would be such a like meta like mind blowing moment. That would be very, very funny. I would just love to see, you know, Tommy Shelby singing I'm just Ken. <laughs> yeah, that would be you know, I, I I feel like like I feel like with Barbie they gave themselves the opportunity to make a sequel that's nuts. Like Yeah. And it's kind of the same way I thought about Talk To Me. I love Talk To Me. I think the sequel to that movie could be, like, mind-blowing and way better. And I kind of feel the same way about Barbie. And I enjoyed both of the actual movies, but, like, I don't know if that's a weird take. But I just feel like it sets up this, like, world and characters well and, like, gives an opportunity to build on it. What I really hope they would do with Killian Murphy is get him out of his usual role and make him, like, Ryan Gosling's Ken. But what I could see them doing is making like a drama Ken or something like that. Yeah, but like I want to. I want him out of my usual Killian Murphy like idea of a role. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. I'm curious to see if that comes to fruition. But um, I wonder how quickly, how quickly that movie will come about. I don't know. I mean, dude, Greta Gerwig has a pretty solid like you know for filmography right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, in the same vein of Jordan, like, Jordan Peele, where, like, she hasn't, she hasn't missed yet, and, like, I'd say the same for uh, Damien Chazelle as well. Yeah. Uh, I had seen something a while back in July, and I think this is still happening. Greta Gerwig is doing Chronicles of Narnia? Really? Yeah, so I, I, I'm literally looking at this right now. This is from August 3rd. Um, basically saying she's doing this for Netflix, and it's going to be a series. But I don't know if uh, if it's still happening, but this says she was set to direct at least two Narnia-based films and will serve as the screenwriter as well. Which is, like, such a huge undertaking. Like, I, I also, I'm literally working on a video on this, but, like, Narnia, those stories are so, so hard to adapt to movies. Because, like, first of all, the time frames jump over the course of, like, thousands of years. You're telling, like, multiple different stories. Like, the tones are all way different. Like, some of them are, like, family-friendly. Some of them are so dark and, like, awful. Um, it's so difficult to adapt. And, like, C.S. Lewis was also just, like, an interesting guy. He's really out there. Um... And also, I just, that reminds me, I just saw a trailer for a movie with Anthony Hopkins, and it's about C.S. Lewis and Sigmund Freud. The trailer just dropped. And it's okay. like, the, all their conversation. It's like, that looks so interesting to me. I'm going to have to um, look that up when we get off here. Yeah, that trailer like just dropped, so check that out. Um, Dude, I cannot wait for Napoleon. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Like, I don't see it going poorly. Um, yeah. I mean, but, right now, I think what we're looking at for best lead actors for Oscar is going to be Killian Murphy and Joaquin. Yeah. I could see yeah. Leo being up for it as well, 
for the name and the movie. Yeah, he'll be up for it, but... Yeah. Right now, it should be Killian. I would agree. Just in terms of, like, the sheer weight of, like, the single performance on the perform- like success of the movie, like, it's... You can't top that. It's three hours. Like, yeah. So. That's what we're better for. Well, it's been fun. It has. It drops on Monday. Happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah, happy Halloween. Hope everyone's enjoying playing the Spider-Man game on PS2. (laughs) Yeah, PS5, PS2. (laughs) What year is it? Spider-Man 2. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Good stuff. Yeah, take it easy. Take care.